Hello, and welcome to Acting Up, the podcast that dives deep into the world of TV and film that highlights our people, our culture, and our stories. I'm your host, Courtney Wills, Entertainment Director at The Grio, and this week, we're speaking to Randy Huggins, co-creator and showrunner of The Stars' latest hit drama series, EMF. The series tells the real-life story of Demetrius Big Meech Flannery and his brother Terry Southwest T. Flannery. Um, these two brothers who, gosh, like made a huge impact in Detroit um, because they established BMF, the Black Mafia family. They are both still alive, and Big Meech's real-life son, Demetrius Lil Meech Flannery Jr., portrays him in this show, which is pretty wild. This kid had never acted before and he's in this starring role alongside some really talented people and telling a story that is really important to the culture but also really important to his family. Randy Huggins comes from us from the power universe with Curtis Jackson aka 50 Cent aka he keeps making really cool TV and saying really dumb shit on social media so we're always pretty frustrated with 50 but one thing is undeniable, and that is this show is really good. Several episodes were directed by Tasha Smith, who is also an executive producer on the series. And it's so amazing to see what she's been able to do with this story as a Black woman director, as an actor who you know we've all loved for years. Seeing her really flex in this way has been really cool. And I wanted to know from Randy why she was the right pick. I also wanted to know how he deals with some of what 50 says on social, especially when it comes to these shows and what went into telling this real life story about two people from Detroit, which is also Randy's hometown. BMF is one of my favorite new shows this year, if not my favorite. I think it's really well done. It's not what I expected it to be. It has a fantastic cast who really showed up as these characters. Russell Hornsby is in it. Demetrius Lil Meech Flannery Jr. makes his acting debut in the starring role, and it's great. Da Vinci's really good in this. And I haven't seen a villain that actually scared me, like really made me nervous the way that Lamar does on BMF since Michael K. Williams's role as Omar on The Wire. The show actually reminds me a little bit of The Wire in a lot of ways, actually, and mainly because I don't know. I mean, it's kind of shot like The Wire. It's also just feels extremely realistic. And these characters are developed and I'm invested in the story from jump and there's a lot more going on than what you might expect on the surface you know the story of these two drug kingpins it's not all drugs and violence and sex I mean there's some of that and it's entertaining but it is a lot deeper than that I think this is a story about family and it's a story about what happens when the rules of the game are not the same for everybody it's really good. I'm so excited to talk to Randy all about it. Randy Huggins has done a lot of stuff in his career. He was a producer on CBS's Criminal Minds, producer on Prime Suspect, The Unit. He co-executive produced Star, which I really liked Star. That was like a show that people talked a lot of smack about, but I enjoyed it. He was an EP on Rebel and co-executive produced A Season of Power. He's also written for a ton of shows, including Power Book 2 Ghost, 
Star, the Quad, Criminal Minds, the Unit, Crash, and the Shield. So he's been in this game for a long time, but now he is really in the driver's seat on this series that is centered on two real people from his hometown of Detroit. Hey, Randy. I can't even speak. Like, I'm so excited to talk to you. BMF has by far been the best thing that I've seen in this new fall lineup. Like, I ate it up. How much did you say? All of it. Oh, word. That's what's up. I just hope people are excited. I mean, like, this has been a long, arduous journey for myself, specifically for 50 Cent, who started this five years ago. But I've been on this for over three. You know what I mean? So to be here talking to you today, it's just fantastic. I mean, I I could not be more happy. BMF is so well done across the board from the casting to the performances. My Detroit folks are telling me you did Detroit proud. I know that that is your hometown, but they are co-signing that it is legit. Tasha Smith coming in as an EP and then directing some really impressive episodes that is just kind of amazing to see a Black woman helm a show like this. Then you've got Lil Meech playing his own father, someone who was not an actor coming in to this. Yeah. Yeah. He is now. He absolutely is. I mean, my, oh my, where do we even start all of that? Go. (laughs) Okay. First, let me start with 50. Yeah. So here's how it came about. So, and I think this is important to realize because I think this is a trickle down effect in our show. Okay. So 50 had the rights, right? And I'm working on power and he tells me about it. So I just know he's about to say, so you want to do it? Because I'm actually about to leave power when he tells me. And I'm like, wow, the world, wow, God is good. Look how the world is aligning. Oh, my God. And he's like, yeah, I got these other two writers and they're going to do it. And I'm like, okay. So I had to pick my job back up. And I'm like, it's cool, it's cool. So I go do my thing. I move on to Star. I'm on Star for like two seasons. I love Star, by the way. I That was my show. <laughs> That's what's up. I love Lee and I love uh, Karen. So, you know, what was interesting was I go to Star and then 50 calls me. And he's like, you want to do BMF? I'm like, yes. <laughs> so, uh, you know, he puts me on the phone with me. And, uh, you know, I go, we're talking every day, Meech and I, because, you know, you can only talk 10 minutes at a time. So then I go see him in prison three or four times. And uh, when you go to prison, you can't take a pen or a pad. So he's talking to me for six hours and I got to run to my car and scribble down everything that I can remember that we talk. Agreed. So when I talk about how did we make this show, I mean, and I talk about the arduous journey that I have been on to bring this. And when you say words like I loved it and blah, 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 that's why it fills my heart. Because me getting, I'm telling a story about two dudes about their life and both of them are locked up. I can only talk to them 10 minutes a day at a time. You know what I mean? When I go see them, I can't take a pen or a pad. You can't record audio either? No, you can't take a phone. You can't have anything. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. That's wild. Yes. And so, and then not to mention, in the midst of me getting the story, he gets like thrown in the hole for like months. So now I can't talk to him, but now I've sold stars and Lionsgate on an idea. So I've got deadlines to meet, but I don't have my source. You know what I mean? So then when he finally resurfaced and we reconnected, I'm like, dude, listen, I need somebody. Cause you know, I mean, you're locked up. You can't determine. That's the unfortunate thing about being in the in the system. You don't have any freedom. So the thing that he did was he was like, "Okay, I'm gonna turn you on to my sister Nicole Flannery and my best friend Roland West." And the other big thing that me said when he started, he said that I want to tell the origin story. 
He was like, everybody know about these dudes from Detroit that went to Atlanta and started getting money. But I want to tell the origin story on why we started, why we got into this. Mm -hmm. So that's why for me, he was speaking my language because that meant telling more Detroit. You know what I mean? I may not know about the drug situation, but I know my city. You know what I mean? So um, it was interesting. So I called Nicole to talk to her. And if you know the history of their story, you know what I mean? Terry was talking to her when I off. So she's like, I don't talk on the phone. So then I had to fly to Detroit to meet Nicole and Roland, who are looking at me like, who is this dude? I don't know. Because everybody's been trying to tell her story. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they're like, here comes somebody else trying to do it. So finally, you know, I shared enough information to let them know that I was for real. And they start opening up to me and we start building uh, the show. But then what was really interesting is, you know, the powers that be as stars left. So it was a new regime coming in and they had oh, bought my show, the idea, and they had ordered the writers room. But now I had to pitch to the new regime. Now I had to pitch to like, you know, so it was just, uh, it's been a long journey getting here. And then they greenlit the show. And you know when they greenlit the show? In January, at the height of the pandemic, wow. they greenlit Black Mafia finally to shoot. This is before vaccines. Yeah, You know what I mean? This is getting tested three times a week, you know, wearing a mask. You cannot leave your house to go even get dinner. Everything, like, come on, man. Like, and to be here and to have this and to have the public and, like, yeah, it's a blessing in its own right. You know what I mean? Like I said, I was in 50s first hire. Like, Tasha wasn't the first person we looked at to be the director. Little Meech wasn't the first person we looked at to play Little Meech, but all of us came together at the right time. And I feel like anybody that's on this show is meant to be here for a purpose. I mean, talk about an uphill battle to get something done. Like every obstacle imaginable. Everyone. Sounds like you had to kind of jump over it. What do you think made them say yes? To you? Was it 50? Was it getting to know you? I think the biggest connection is that I'm a Detroiter and I'm a Detroiter who was able to connect. When he says we used to be at St. Cecilia, I used to be at St. Cecilia. You know what I mean? I was watching basketball. They was with the drug, but I was in the same gym. When he says we was at the Fresh Fest, I was there. You know, I was everywhere. And then one of the biggest connections, we start talking about when I think this is I was in jail when he said this. And we start talking about it when he started asking me, like where I grew up, whatever. And I said, I grew up on eight mile northwest Detroit and they're from southwest. And he was like, oh, yeah, I know about eight mile. And he named like some people in my neighborhood and he named the guy that stayed directly behind my house. And I'm in Oregon in jail talking to somebody that I haven't spent a lot of time with. And he and it was just, it was a love fest. Yeah. And then I really, I don't like to bring this up, but it's true. My middle name is Demetrius. Mm. You know what I mean? My number two on my show, her name is Terry. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's so much bigger than me, bigger than us. It's just like, this was meant to be told. And I think it was meant to be told in this way because it's a bigger story than a drug story. And I think when people come at it from that direction, they're missing the whole thing. Because this is a show about family. It's a show about brotherhood. It's about love. You know what I mean? And those same values that they were fed in their family, no matter how, you know, disadvantaged they were financially, they were still given those lessons. And those were the lessons that they, you know, poured into their criminal family. You know what I mean? Which is why people love them the way they do. 
That's weird though. I'm not going to lie. Okay. So one of our writers at the Grio, she's from Detroit. She did a whole thesis on some really like closely related topics, subjects. She knows Meech. They were pen pals or have been, I don't know, in prison, like wrote letters. He wrote back and she's like, Courtney, you know, obviously she's interested. She studied it. She's kind of an expert at it, Yeah. but also I'm kind of a fan. Yeah. And that sounds weird to say I'm a fan of a drug dealer, but she's not the only one. Like nah. what, what do you think accounts the most for their actual impact? Specifically having gotten to know both brothers, right? Meech is the most charismatic person. Like he, first of all, he's very funny. You know what I mean? Which which I did not expect. Like he, we joke, we sing each other all the time, but his charisma just pops off. I mean, and for him to be, actually him and Terry to be high school dropout, you know what I mean? They're probably two of the smartest cats that I know. You know what I mean? Now, I think very early on, he knew probably like, I mean, you got to realize too, the school system in Detroit in the 1980s was really bad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Really? I mean, I'm not sure it's great now, but it was really bad then. And I think at an early age, he realized that he was going to be somebody. It clearly wasn't going to be in a classroom. You know what I mean? And, you know, I think one of the biggest thing was he realized he wanted to save his family. I mean, they right, were really, right. really, really poor. Right. You know what I mean? And so he wanted to save his family. And I think he got involved in something. And then he didn't just want to do this thing. He was like, well, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to be the best that I can be. Right. You know what I mean? So it's sort of like, I really look at like, you know, when you think of the Titans of America or the men who built America and they talk about Rockefeller, they talk about Kennedy and the dirt that they did before they made their transition. I think the only thing they just weren't able to make the transition, but they were on their way. Yeah, You know what I mean? Wow. So I think that's the most fascinating thing about me. And for Terry, I mean, he's like not as charismatic as his brother, but he's funny. He's very funny and he's quick with it. You know what I mean? And he's just, I I dare I use the word intellectual, but I think they're both intellectuals. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? In their own regard. Yeah. Why Tasha Smith? I mean, how did you know that she could do this? And she did this. Like, I'm so impressed with the work that I've seen from her. It's mind-blowing. Yeah, she did it. She did the doggone thing. I mean, listen, I've known Tasha for years. Like, we worked together on Star. You know what I mean? So, um, I knew she could do it. You know what I mean? And I knew how talented she was. And I think if anybody had reservations, it was like, well, she hasn't done this before. Or they were like, well, you know, Tasha's high energy. And I'm like, I'm high energy too. You know what I mean? And she's a Pisces. I'm like, I'm a Pisces too. So I think all the boxes that someone may have been able to check off as a negative was a positive for me. You know what I mean? And then more than anything, she and I spoke the same language. I mean, we were try- we're really trying to elevate the landscape of TV with this series. That is my goal, to elevate and just tell better stories. And I'm not knocking anybody's story or anybody's whatever, but I just really want it from a story standpoint, from a cinematic standpoint, from a production design standpoint, from a costume standpoint, I really wanted to lift up. And Tasha spoke that language back to me. And she told me she wanted to tell a more romanticized version 
of an organized crime TV show. And so she took drug out of it. She was like, they don't say that when they say the mafia. She's like, these guys are the mafia. They were that smart. And she wanted to elevate it in that regard. So we very much spoke the same love language when it came to this project. I'm glad that you said that because honestly, I mean, that is literally the point of acting up. I mean, it's in the title. It's like, we're talking to the people who are elevating the conversation, ones we've never had before and ones we've had a hundred times. And I did, being honest, have reservations going into a show. Okay. Again, the hood, drug dealers, crime, killing each other, like especially, especially in the wake of all of these super recent, highly publicized deaths at the hands of narcotics and fentanyl. It felt a little bit like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for this. And it was not that this show absolutely elevates the story that we're getting told. And I think that that is so important. And I think, you know, it's a safe space. This is way better than power. Like (laughs) overall, we love power. It's a different thing. It's different. We're different. We're different. It's a different thing. But when I'm talking about art and when I'm talking about overall execution, there are tons of things that power does really well. A hundred percent. But this show is not that either. It does so many things so well. The Like I said, the writing, the casting, I mean, the performances from top to bottom were really impressive. I remember noting, and it was, it was several weeks before Michael K. Williams died. I'm watching BMF, binging BMF, and I'm saying, I have not been this scared of a villain since Omar. <laughs> My favorite character. It felt like that. I mean, it felt scary like that. It felt like, damn, this is feel. he is grimy. Like it just felt threatening, you know? And I felt like, oh shit, he's coming, you know, like that. Like, oh my, you can see it weaved in. And there were several times when I first screened this series that I was called back to feelings that I had when I watched The Wire. And I don't think that we've seen that since. And you can, I, I would guess- that maybe that was a big inspiration for the execution of the show. Am I right? Absolutely. I mean, I love The Wire and I love Michael K. You know what I mean? So yeah, that was an inspiration. I think a big, a big inspiration for me also was Narcos. Mm. You know what I mean? The Netflix series, because what they did, first of all, my inspiration, they took it from a cop standpoint. The cop is telling you how he tracked down. So I was like, damn, what if you looked at it from a, from a, from a drug dealer standpoint. So our show allows you to get into the mind of this 17 year old who really, really did change the world. I mean, like, you know what I mean? Now I'm not saying for the, for the good, but I'm saying we get to understand how his mind thinks we get to understand. So that's what I was going for with that. Um, And then the other thing that I think Narcos Mexico did really well was that they told the story of Kiki Camarena. And they would put footage in, footage that I remember watching of Walter Cronkite when he went missing. And so when you're watching the show, you're like, oh, I remember this. And it just sucks you in. So I tried to put, that's why I put Coleman Young's inaugural address in there. That's why I put, I'm just trying to put things to just bring people in on our show. So it really is, I can't, listen, Courtney, I can't tell you how much it means to me to hear you say those words, because those were our intentions. You know what I mean? My, my person, I went to battle with, first of all, 
I had the best partnership in the world with 50 Cent. Okay, can we pause? Because we're running out of time, but I have to ask you. Okay, go ahead, go ahead. Like, I'm torn about 50. 50 got me messed up in the head because I see work like this and I applaud it and I'm so proud of him and I like the content. And then, you know, he does some 50 Cent shit and I'm mad and like hurt. How do you all deal with that? You don't. Don't even question it. Don't. Look, it's not. I have to look at my relationship with him. You know what I mean? Now, look, you have friends. You have friends, right? And you have friends. And there's some friends you can tell, well, I'm not sure I agree with this or I'm not sure I agree with that. But that's not my relationship with him. My relationship with him is a partnership. You know what I mean? And what's dope is so dope because we both respect each other. You know what I mean? Like he gives me the freedom to do whatever I'm doing. I give him the freedom to do whatever he's doing. But when I need him, Mm -hmm. you know what I mean? He comes and he's like, what you need? And he's there for me right there, wherever, no matter who it is. I need you to talk to an actor, the network, the studio, whoever. He's like, I got it. And when he needs me, I need you to write up something. I need you to do this. I got him. So that partnership works. And I think as long as we continue to work together, it will, because I'm not a me guy. I'm a team guy. You know what I mean? And 50s on my team, you know what I mean? And Tasha, you know what I mean? And like, so when you put all of these pieces together and you whip it up, you got a real good gumbo. You know what I mean? If you if you got too much green peppers or celery or well, too much meat, you got what is this? But when you put the right amount and you stir it real good, you get BMF. Oh my gosh. Thank you for answering that. Lastly, I mean, gosh, Lil Meech playing his dad. Number one, that is just so nuts that it could happen that he did yeah. such a good job not being an actor. I mean, yes. did he even, does he know his dad? Like, I don't know the yes. chronology of how long Meech has been locked up. Yes, his dad went away when he was like five or six. So he knows him as a, I mean, he knows him, but I mean, that's a, I mean, he's 21. So that's 16 years of not, I mean, they talk on the phone every day, but I'm saying yeah. that's yeah. still different. But I think the thing about Little Meach, again, going back to my partnership, 50 saw it. I did not see it. 50 saw it. And 50 was like, it's him. And I'm like, not for my, no, not for this show. I'm trying to do too many big things. And he's like, Randy, I'm telling you, and it's him. And he, and then they had me go see him. And I was like, he's good, but no. And then I saw him do a chemistry read with Da Vinci. Mm. When he did the chemistry read with Da Vinci, I was like, you know what? his inexperience can play his vulnerabilities to make the audience connect more with him. And then, so I signed up and I went to the network and I'm like, I'm on board. It's him. It's him. It's him. You know what I mean? And then we got into Atlanta and we cut his hair and I swear to God, before my eyes, he morphed into me. And I was like, you're your dad period. You know what I mean? Now, what was interesting about my relationship with Little Meach is that I'm not sure how much you follow sports, but it was a quarterback, really dynamic quarterback right now. His name is Lamar Jackson, right? And when he came out of college, they were like, he can't throw. He can't do this. He can't do that. Why would anybody draft? So this this team, Baltimore Ravens, drafted him. The coach didn't really want to draft him, but then you got him. And then you just got to make 
play to that player's strengths. So what I had to do is I had to stop saying what Meach couldn't do, and I had to look at what he could do. You know what I mean? That meant maybe a little more, and hand-holding is the wrong word, but coming to him before, talking to him about my intentions on writing this scene, or where the beats are, or whatever. And what you want out of life is you want when you start there. That's where we started. By the end of the season, he was coming to me, telling me what the scene was and where the beats were. And they weren't even beats that was in there. And I was like, yeah, that's what I meant. You know what I mean? That's the growth. And to me, what better example is there of the American dream than that? Meach and Terry were out for a slice of the American dream. This dude, regardless of what you think of what he did, he did it. But he did it, and he gave this his son this opportunity. This was not given to him. This was an opportunity that he embraced, that he knocked out the part, took it, and ran with it. And now he's got other shows. He's had a role on Euphoria. Like, now he has a whole career. Talk about the American dream. What more is there of the American dream than that? I mean, whatever you think about him. That is the American dream, to afford your child a better life than you had. Come on. I mean, that's BMF. Yeah. And not the dream he planned to give him, but a dream nonetheless. Agreed. I mean, like he created BMF Entertainment and he put a billboard. The world is ours. Now BMF and LA, it's on the side of a building. It's, so like you talk about the parallels and the maturation, I mean, like of this young man. And I was telling him BMF Entertainment may be you. It may be your company. Your company may be a movie company. And when your dad gets out, you may hire your dad to be like, I'm like, that is what we're about. We're about progression. And I, yes, people did whatever they had to do, given the circumstances that they were handed. You know what I mean? But I think just look at how many people this series hired in Atlanta. I wanted to be in Detroit because that's my hometown. We over 300 people have a job and hopefully we'll have jobs for years to come because of this. Why Atlanta? Why not Detroit? I was going to ask you that too. Because Michigan lost their tax incentive and economically it didn't make sense. So ultimately they wind up in Atlanta. You know what I mean? It's only a little bit. And I just got off the phone speaking with this guy from the Detroit news. And he was like, man, it looks so Detroit. Outside of a couple places where you're like, we don't have heels like that. And I'm like, I couldn't do anything about that. But outside of that, my mother watched this. And I said, where do you think we are? She said, somewhere on the east side. I'm like, nah, that's Atlanta. You know what I mean? She's been there her whole life, 70 years. So I am a real Detroiter. And I was able to, and even when I couldn't get that Detroit, I grounded it with the music. You know what I mean? with techno like people like i'm trying to give a history lesson about black culture and i hope we can do this along our journey because people hear edm and they like oh europe this is i'm like no dude techno detroit belleville three Derek may kevin saunderson juan atkins i'm like that's where that's coming from so yeah I could talk to you forever. This cannot be the last time we talk about this. We are just getting started. No, no. Call me when it, call me like, like <laughs> let's link up later in the season because you already seen it, but it's about to be some bombs. Like when we drop some of those big names, like, I mean, like, you know, the Pastor Swift role was written for 50 Cent. You oh, no that. way. And yeah, you- that was written for 50 and 50 is like, nah, I think I know somebody who can do it better. <sighs> It was good. All of it. It was good. This was a good show. I'm grateful for it. I want to talk about it more because it is so deep and so layered. But thank you so much for your candor today. And thanks for being a guest on Acting Up.
Thank you for listening to Acting Up. If you like what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcasts and share it with everyone you know. Please email all questions, comments, and suggestions to podcasts at thegrio.com. Acting Up is brought to you by The Grio, an executive produced by Courtney Wills and produced by Cameron Blackwell. For more with me and Acting Up, check us out on Instagram at actingup.pod.